G'day party people. This is your one and only source into the shenanigans of a couple of Sheilas. I'm your host, Emma Henrihan, and along with my trailblazing guests, we'll be sharing all of our juicy stories, our biggest secrets, the what not to do's, the lessons we've learnt, or the mistakes, and too many times we've been baked. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sheilas and Shenanigans. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to season two, episode six. And today I am bringing to you the wonderful Alicia Kelly. This is a girl I was drawn to while sitting in a cafe around the road as she was pulling some guidance cards and I chimed in, I made myself welcome and I happened to pull the same card as she did and alas, it became one of those yas moments where the universe connected me with someone who is so inspiring and contributing to the world something that I feel very passionately about. Alicia is the founder of the self-help platform called Aloof. The concept of Aloof is to be a one-stop shop for all your mental health needs. So not only is the aesthetic absolutely divine, but the idea behind the platform is to provide a space for people to be guided and supported through an experience that we all find extremely daunting. So today we are going to dive deep and talk about the daunting reality of mental health, the consequences of mental illness, our own journeys in healing and overcoming rock bottom, and the tools we both utilized in order to support ourselves on both a daily basis and throughout these journeys and we're going to talk about every ironic and iconic synchronicity and kick up the ass from the universe in between. So just like Alicia's story, the all-inclusive holistic self-help platform is so real. It is so raw. And I believe it is the perfect fit for an episode dedicated to Suicide Awareness Month. Aluv is quite literally everything I needed in my own healing journey and something that I know would have benefited my own 15-year-old self. So I will warn you that this episode is bound to have a lot of brutal truth bombs about the harsh reality of self-care and mental health. So please take this as a trigger warning. And without further ado, I am so excited to introduce to you an absolute role model and queen in the holistic healing realm, Alicia Kelly. How are you, sis? <laughs> Hello, I'm going well. Thank you for having me. That was such a beautiful introduction. And yeah, I'm still amazed the way we met was so aligned. Just little coffee chat and here we are. So happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on here. And like, we've only met up in person a couple of times, but we cannot shut the fuck up, which is like exactly (laughs) what I want. So bless your little ears, anyone listening. But I just want to start with and share with everybody like your, this beautiful platform and how your passion behind it and how you came to create it. Yeah, of course. So basically Aloof is everything that I needed along my own journey. It is something that there was so many pivotal moments in my life where I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what therapist to see. I didn't know what books to read. I didn't know what tools to use. It can be so overwhelming when you're struggling with your mental health and when shit's hitting the fan and things are going wrong. And basically Aloof is everything that I had needed. It's what I've pulled in a range of different tools and techniques and created this platform where it can be a one-stop shop for people. It has a range of modalities and uses a range of modalities that can help people through a range of different areas. And 
basically I created it just because it was something I needed and I knew that it would benefit many others too. I love that. Yeah. When you speak about that, I'm like, just my ears are pricking up. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I had no fucking idea where to go when I was struggling. And the internet is such a big, large fucking place and you can, everything's got Google ads and everything. So it's like, there's no real place where I felt fully safe apart from like the trial and error of going through therapist after therapist. And even then I ended up in rehab, let's be honest, that was my one-stop shop first and foremost. And it wasn't exactly holistic approach. It was definitely what I needed, but not holistic. And I think that that's something I had to then just find after. And luckily the universe was working with me, but I feel like this is just so exciting to be able to send somebody to a one-stop shop where they can have all of the options that are there for them and for me I think that yeah it's just so important and these this is just like the missing piece of the puzzle that we've needed in society for so long so if you would love to share with us I would love to hear it again your beautiful story as to how you got to the point of creating this and if there was a pinnacle moment in your mental health journey that made you be like, okay, cool. I can also add some value and purpose and contribute back to the world. Great question. And yes, I'm with you on that. It can be so overwhelming on where to turn to and you're Googling and you're searching and you're reading self-help book after self-help book. And it's like, holy shit, like I actually just need someone to really guide me through this and really help me through this. So basically the way Aloof came about was it was actually over the course of probably five or six years that this concept was coming into life. And there were so many moments where I had thought up, I always knew I wanted to have my own business. And I always knew that I wanted to do something that was going to help people and help people through their journey that had been similar to mine or people that had kind of needed tools and resources that I had education in and could help them with. But basically the pinnacle moment was back in pretty much back in 2020. Now, I'd actually registered um, for a trademark of the name Alouve a year prior and it hadn't been approved, hadn't got it, anything. So that's a little side note to this story. So basically in 2020, I was doing marketing at the time. I was in my marketing career. I'd worked for, for some amazing companies. I was on this total route of marketing world and um, it wasn't totally fulfilling me, but I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. I side note was not living in my authentic self but was you know pushing for this and basically sold everything I owned I was um, dating a guy at the time that was from Wales and my aim was to move over to London and work for a company over there doing marketing so I'd had interviews with like Airbnb to do marketing there and like a few different companies and I was like yep London's the place to be so sold everything I owned moved out of my house got rid of my car moved over to the UK with him and the aim was to go visit his family in Wales for a couple of weeks and then move to London. So the couple of weeks got started and then lo and behold it was 2020 February and the entire country shut down because of COVID. So basically everyone has an interesting COVID story and I feel like I fit into that category. So basically we got locked in Wales in a tiny little town called Tenby a town of 3,000 people, never been there before, never been to Wales. And we pretty much got stuck there for about five or six months. And it was challenging. It was with, you know, his parents I'd never met prior. And I was away from all my family, all my friends. I couldn't get a job 
in marketing because every company that I was going for had hiring freezes because obviously no one was in the offices and things were pretty bad. And so it was actually in that time I found that my mental health was struggling a bit again. And it was interesting because I'd been on top of it for a few years and like I'd had a dip prior and like around 17, 18 years old where it was a pretty bad spell. And I'd done a hell of a lot of work to get to where I was, but that was really something that kind of stripped off all the things that I was potentially distracting with and made me really sit with myself again. And so basically I spent a fair few months and what I would do was it was quite a small home. And so I would go into the shed in his little shed in his backyard to have some quiet alone time to just be in my own space and do my own thing. And it was through those periods where I really dove deep into a lot of meditation practices, inner child work, hypnotherapy. I didn't even have um, internet down in the shed. So I'd sit there and I would come up with my own formulas and modalities and things that really worked for me to work through where was this like these issues with my mental health stemming from like where were they coming from was this relative to the trauma in my earlier years or what was going on in my life to create the way I was feeling in that time and obviously a lot of people at that time were struggling with mental health it was it was so challenging. There was so much happening in the world. We were, you know, stripped of a lot of things that we were used to and a lot of freedom that we were used to. And it was a pretty challenging moment. So anyway, I am a very big believer in leave it up to the universe. Like if you are meant to be in a place, you will be. If not, something will happen and direct you otherwise. So basically, long story short, I was really tossing up do I move back to Australia do I not if I move back it means leaving him if I stay I'm super unhappy I'm stuck here like I can't get a job da 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 and so stuck in the shed stuck in the shed (laughs) in the shed meditating a little monk I was a monk for six months and so um left it up to the universe and one day I was I had really severe pains in my stomach out of nowhere Um, I'd also done a lot of research into women's health and periods and cycles and things like that. I had a lot of spare time. So I was researching, (laughs) I was researching left, right and center, you name it. I've probably read it and researched it. I was studying functional medicine. Like I was like, I was studying NLP. I was just like the only way I was filling my days because it's not like you could leave the house. So I was just like education, education, education. Yeah, that's powerful. So I was just really pouring all that time into, you know, learning what I was interested in. And so anyway, I was studying functional medicine and everything about the women's cycle and what was going on. And I knew I was like, I knew the symptoms I was meant to be having and all that was meant to be happening with my cycle. And I was like, holy shit, like something's not right. Like I knew something wasn't right. So went down to the doctor you couldn't even see a doctor face to face I knocked on the window of this little brick looking house which was the medical center in Tenby and I spoke to a nurse through the glass and said like look um these are my symptoms I was meant to be ovulating at the time and just what was going on and what like discharge and that that's probably TMI but anyway yeah, really open here yeah, yeah um, go. was not not good and mm. so basically she's like you need to go to A&E like this is this is not good so went to A&E and um, 
they couldn't do ultrasounds because the country was in lockdown and that was one of the medical services that was, um, what's the word for it? Like it wasn't essential or something. So Mm -hmm. couldn't get one, tried to go privately, couldn't get one. Basically I was speaking, you know, I was speaking with my mum back home because it's like I didn't have anyone to even kind of chat to about that over over there and I was like what do I do like this is I was in a lot of pain and so basically I got on the next flight home left really abruptly had to come back to see a doctor and to get an ultrasound and to see what was going on so got flown back across the halfway across the world to Australia landed um, into hotel quarantine got rushed in an ambulance to the MARTA in Brisbane and then went through all this testing and found out that I'd actually had a miscarriage and it wasn't flushing properly so it was causing like a lot of pain and discomfort and so I was like holy shit this is really overwhelming no suspicion that I was pregnant like that was really left field and I thought my cycle had been irregular because I was under so much stress over there in the living environment um but turns out yes it was a miscarriage so long story short dealt with that and then got put into the two weeks of hotel quarantine and it was in that time that I hit even though I'd been using all those tools and learning them I don't think the true integration of those tools had taken place yet so it was in that two-week period in the hotel quarantine in isolation no windows no fresh air you're really sitting with yourself I've just left my partner who didn't want to leave, like just gone through a miscarriage, which was a massive shock to the system. And um, I really, really hit a low in that period. It was almost as if everything that I was, you know, had been surfacing, it was at the pinnacle moment where it had really hit. And so basically I, and also uh, your hormones are everywhere. Everything's out of whack. You're not in alignment. I wasn't even, you know, 72 hours prior being in Wales. I was so disorientated. Mm. You've got um, jet lag, you've got heartbreak, you've got disconnection, loneliness, you're in fucking lockdown and you don't even have any air in the room. So I think there's layers to that. And then the fact that like no one could bypass that with any tool and the hormones. Oh my gosh. Like you're literally having a miscarriage at the time. So I don't, yeah, I don't think that there's any tools that could get you through that, the low. That's yeah. just got to be there. <laughs> That was there for a reason and I thought, holy shit, I need to ride this wave. Yeah. So super depressed, like really, really depressed and was, you know, it was very like suicidal tendencies. Like I was mm. like, what, what is the next step? Like I literally have no job to come home for. I have no house to live in. I have no partner. He's overseas. Like this is a rock bottom, surely. Like what am I doing? And it was actually, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It had been days. I, you know, was just so stressed and so upset and it was a real breaking point. And there was one night where um, I wasn't sleeping. It must've been like three, 4am in the morning and I was laying in bed. I was so exhausted and so weak from, you know, not sleeping, not eating, all of that. And it was, it was really, um, I was really trying to get to sleep and I had this login to Gaia, which is like that, I don't know, self-help app that posts like it um, has a lot of videos and meditations and things. So I went on there and I was like, okay, I just need a, I need like a sleep meditation or something to try and pass me out right now. And um, 
I pressed play on something thinking it was a meditation and turns out it wasn't. It was this interview with this lady named Marie Ferrello. She's a coach. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of her, but she's amazing. She's over in America. And um, so I pressed play on this and I was just too weak and too exhausted to even flick back through and try and find something different. So I was just staring up at the ceiling, listening to it. And I was really at a breaking point. Like I, I didn't want to come out of the quarantine. I didn't want to face the reality. I didn't want to go through, you know, the months that were to lay ahead of rebuilding my life and mm. going back through all that. And, um, yeah, it was at a pretty bad point. And basically this interview played and it's one of those things that I think is divine timing and, you know, again, something's placed upon your path for a very, very important reason. And the guy interviewing her asked her a question at the end of the interview and said, you know, Marie, is there any last words that you want to leave like your listeners with today? And she, out of nowhere, she said, if you choose to leave this planet early and you choose to, you know, leave your physical body early, then you are not only doing a disservice to yourself but you are disservicing all the people that you could help through your own journey and the lessons you've learned on your journey and, you know, the help and the support that you could then give to them. And I thought, holy shit, I don't know if that those words impact anyone else, but for me they were those words that I was like, wow, this is so much greater than my suffering. This is, you know, the universe or the divine is allowing me to go through these lessons on my journey so that I can learn from them I can grow from them I can up level and then I can then help people who are in a similar position or could benefit from the knowledge and skills I gained throughout this so basically that was the moment where I knew that a Louvre was to become and I'd already started a Louvre as a platform just over in Wales as something to do as well just like posting things on Instagram to be of help but it was the day that I left quarantine I'd got the trademark approved and I'd got access to having a Louvre as you know my name and um all of that and it was like almost a year later than I registered for it and it was the day I left and I was like oh wow. shit I think this is meant to be I feel like this is on the right path <laughs> And so basically that's when a Louvre started and that was kind of when it really came into came into play. And since then it's been a whole journey of growing it and what it's become now. But that's pretty much long story, but the pinnacle point of what brought me to birthing a Louvre. Yeah. Oh my God. I get goosebumps <laughs> every time. I get, I've got goosebumps right now. Like I just like that story. It's like not to be like, I love your rock bottom. It was so beautiful. But obviously like it's so this, there's moments in that where it's euphoric. It's like you were, you're being guided and you're now contributing the, like all the lessons you've had and it's a meant to be moment and like we have those in order to be able to deliver to the world what our dharma is and what we're meant to be here to do and so like your story it's funny because you're just like the tools weren't working and it's like bro you literally couldn't have had anything more heavy happen to you <laughs> in that moment like heartbreak miscarriage jet lag covid like you have nothing in australia left like you have to restart like it's just like so many things where like no matter who you are i don't feel like i know many people who 
just be like, that was piss easy. Uh, <laughs> hormones, easy. Miscarriage, piece of cake. Like no one I know could have done that. And so it's like, yeah, it's kudos to you for being in that situation and like I just yeah have so much admiration for you to be able to like see the light in that and know that those words were meant for you at that time and to know that you're like I'm sure that you can even look and be like I was asking for a sign of where to go and to stay in Wales or move back to Australia and then the miscarriage happened and it's like yeah I kind of end up doing this myself a lot where I'm like and this flicking that positive onto it and you're like a meant to be situation that the universe mm. has put you in and look what it's done now like you get to have this platform where you're helping people who needed exactly what you needed through that time and you, it's like a cultivation of everything that you worked for up until that moment mm-hmm. like you were sitting there in COVID in lockdown and so many people had a choice people could either be like you know eat lots of food and get really lazy and act like a victim and you know we were all sort of in the same storm we weren't in the same boat we're all in the same storm and we all had different boats but you had a battle you were with a family you hadn't even met before and you were just in their shed I'm sure it was freezing cold and like there was so many hardships in those moments and you're like I'm going to educate up level and you just dove deep and like that to me is so inspiring it's just a level of inspiration that I'm like oh my god wow and so like everything else you've done since and like excited to share with the audience because it's like it just really goes to show when I spoke about privilege to you before like you know everyone's in the same storm but not the same boat but we all still have those choices on a daily basis and you really like made the most of the time time you were given and this shitty situation and the hardships and like I just like yeah that story to me is so powerful like so so powerful so yeah what does like Aluv stand for like what is the pinnacle for that so Aluv actually stands for it comes from African origin and it means the way things make us feel and also power of God or universe or whatever, you know, power of divine. So it has a really powerful essence to the word. And I came up with the word years before Alouve was conceptualized. I was just kind of, it was at another rock bottom, like years prior. And I remember having this, like, you know, I'd flown halfway across the country to go stay with some extended family because there was a lot of shit happening here and I just needed a couple of months of reset and I was brainstorming my mum flew over to meet me and I was brainstorming with her and I was like you know there just needs to be like there needs to be a one-stop shop where people can get help like there needs to be support because there is it's so overwhelming I don't know where to start I don't know where to begin like I know all this is happening in the family and it's really really challenging me but there's no book I can read on how to navigate this there's Mm. no you know I can go on a wait list for a psychologist or I can go see a therapist but it's like this is heavy like this is challenging to face and um I remember having a bit of a moment where I was like there just needs to be something and she my mum is such a beautiful support in my life and so powerful at you know helping me create things and she's like well what do, what would you call it like what do you want it to be like what would oh, you call it. it yeah she's amazing <laughs> and I was like I don't know like and we're bouncing these words around and somehow a Louvre came up such a strange word everyone's like that is unusual um and I just 
it like was a ping went off and I was like, sounds good, love it, researched it. And then that was the meaning. Wow. And I was like, wow, there you go. Yeah, that was just so meant to be. Because mm. normally I'll be like researching something specifically for the meaning and then go backwards. But wow, that you had the word come to you. Mm. That's so powerful. Like your story is so, so powerful. And I love that you, I find that like the saying, um, we all need to like read the book that we basically, the story that we basically are living, you know, like, and so it's like, you know, it's going to be helpful for just one other person. And I feel like you had that, that same thing where you're like, oh, it's the one stop shop can just help one other person just like me, just like me. And so that's like so powerful when we start to use our own experiences to then create what we always needed. Mm. And that's exactly what this platform is. And I'm so excited. So could you explain a bit more of like how it works? Like what do you get with this one stop shop? How it's, how am I meant to feel when I roll into this shop? So basically at the moment, um, I'm building our online programs. So there will be, um, it'll be a platform that has a range of different programs, which I believe are the fundamental steps from getting you to whatever stage you're in at your journey. Some people come at complete rock bottom. Some people just are having a relationship breakdown or issues with their self-worth or, you know, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, whatever it is. So whatever, wherever you're at, financial issues, whatever, Alouve is designed to take you from that to work you through the depths that you need to go to and the steps that you need to take and the tools that, you know, are really recommended to implement to then get you to where you want to go. So whatever life you desire for yourself, Alouve has the tools and modalities and resources to kind of get you from there to where you want to go. And basically that's in the design phase at the moment and I'm so excited for that to finally launch in the coming months because I know that it will help so many people along their journey. And for the moment, I see clients through a Louvre and one-on-ones and basically um, pretty much do the same thing, take them from where they currently are and, you know, take them into whatever it is they're needing to clear, whether it be trauma, whether it be, um, you know, limiting beliefs, things holding them back, blocks, whatever issues are presenting and helping them clear that and work through that to then get them to where they're really wanting to go. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And so what's like your, uh, yourself, like with all of the, how do you guide people? Because obviously you're a coach. I say that with these like (laughs) quotation marks. I use the word mentor now. So you're a mentor and, but you are a guide and a facilitator as well. So like what were the modalities that you, use it yourself with with any of the clients who do roll in when they're no matter what stage they're at yeah so a lot of the modalities by the piece of paper that I use are um, EFT emotional freedom technique it's a tapping method really powerful for getting into the subconscious mind and clearing the shit Um, I also use a lot of inner child work I'm qualified in NLP neuro-linguistic programming so Um, that is also really powerful for timeline regression, going back to where things were started, getting to the root cause, shifting through blocks. Um, I also use a technique called havening. It's a very nurturing technique that um, is really powerful. I use, what else? I use the biggest blend of things. And then a lot of it also comes from my own experiences. Like I said, I I'm so self-educated in a range of different modalities and I found that 
through, especially in that period in Wales and then the years that have been following that, I have found these ways that work of targeting the subconscious mind, accessing that inner child or that part of you that is holding on to the issue presenting and a way to kind of rewire, clear and reframe that. Sounds a bit confusing, but it's very intuitive approach. Mm. And um, I obviously also have the coaching. I'm saying it with yeah, the quotation like, as got well. Quotation marks the out. coaching. Um, I personally steer away from labeling myself in that industry, but um, I also have a background in that, which obviously plays plays a part of support too yeah I love that and you said oh it sounds confusing and I'm like not to me not at one bit like I feel like I was blessed with this like being able to the privilege of going to rehab and it was like quite an amazing one with like codependency as the stem of what we learned everything from but through those experiences of just watching the therapists firsthand and how they dealt with people in all different forms um, by using, we did a hypnosis for a full week. Like I went into a two hour hypnosis and rebirthed myself, like all the inner child work you can think of, like the tapping, like anything you can think of in that six months, I was in like the most in-depth course you could ever imagine. It was life experience. It's not even a fucking course. It's life experience. So I feel like if when you've been able to give that to yourself, the piece of paper is just so separate. Like I can pretty much know that I can study anything and get it done and cram like I did law do I know how to retain any of that information probably fucking not like I can cram and do something like that if it's external but when you have to fully in-depth heal yourself you have done that firsthand and that's what you were doing over there throughout your life and you had quite an early journey being 17 18 years old and I feel like with the help of your mother because she's got a beautiful like she is in that spiritual realm but also Mm. that healing realm and so like you were doing it and when you're doing it like you we can you know put in quotation marks the coach word but also the pieces of paper because it's separate to Mm. physically healing yourself and going through those methods and I think yeah I can relate to this like when I see a lot of life coaches lately I'm like oh, what's your life experience though? Like if you just gone and got a piece of paper because thousands of people are doing those courses and it's like, I don't, they'd have to pay me to fucking let them go near me, like me, let them heal me because I'm like, I've just seen so much firsthand and had to do it myself and that's just like, you can never compare and that's why I feel like with this platform, like you've done these things yourself. You feel passionately about it because you've healed mm. and you know we're always going to continue to heal but you felt the uh, the depths of rock bottom and that's something that I really want to talk to you about because it's like how do we especially in this month where people are doing the are you okay day we're going into mental health month the next month in October and suicide prevention months in September then mental health months in October because that's apparently how it works and it's like what people are sort of like you know they do the bare they do these what I would call bare minimum hosting these are you okay day things and I know it comes from such a beautiful place but are we really supporting people in doing that and like how can we Mm. Oh God, I feel like there was so much in that. I'm like, yeah, that was sorry, such a good a tangent. That was good. I'm like, <laughs> I'm totally agree. It's back to the life coaching avenue and what you were saying in regards to that. It's like, you know, first hand experience is everything. It's the same thing as you get, you know, you, you do a business degree, but until you have had your own business and you have gone through the hurdles of that, no piece of paper can teach you 
anything. Mm. It's like you have to learn this stuff firsthand. And I think like I started out studying psychology and by learning what you learn on paper and through textbooks, it was like, no, 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 these these aren't enough skills for me to be able to help someone. I can regurgitate information and I can do talk therapy, but am I really actually getting to the crux of what's going on? And do I have, you know, the knowledge and innate capabilities to get them there? Not through that piece of paper, no, but through life experience, yes. So Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. I think the coaching industry is really saturated and anyone can go out and get a piece of paper to be a coach, but do they have the depths of knowledge through their own life experience and capability to help you through that? That's something definitely investigate into before finding who you work with and spending your money there. And back Mm. to are you okay there and um, all of that, it does, it comes from really good intention and I like that the world is moving to a place of more awareness around mental health and suicide and, you know, things like that. And it's becoming not such a taboo topic to talk about it. Mm. Back in the day, it was like, if you had mental health, like you don't talk about that. That's something you push to the side. That's something that, you know, was deemed Mm. as weird or unacceptable. And now it's like, okay, let's open up these conversations. And I think, things like are you okay and things like that they serve a purpose for opening up that awareness and those conversations but is that enough tools to actually help someone in those positions probably not there needs to be a lot more that then comes from that Mm, yeah I I, yeah mm -hmm, I totally (laughs) agree yeah like I'm like coaching and as well as that yeah I think the coaching world, oh my God, saturated and it's triggering for someone like me who just sees people be like, the biggest thing that's triggering is when people are like, oh, I make $10,000 a month, then how can you do that too? And this is how much I'm making off clients. I don't give a fuck how much you're making off clients. How many people have you helped? How many mm. people can give you a proper testimonial and say that you have actually changed their life and not even like changed their life, but just supported them through rock bottom and like given them the tools they need and held that space that they are paying for because other people in their life can't do that. And it's like, I, don't, I can't stand the like making money thing because I guess I've seen so many people in such rock bottoms that I'm like, oh, that's just horrible to think that you're stoked about making money off them. Yeah. Like, yeah so it's like that's just very triggering in itself and then yeah the are you okay day thing is so beautiful because it, you're so right it's nine years ago is when we lost someone who oh Dwayne died nine years ago and that's who living is started from the mm. l-i-v-i-n beautiful amazing but like prior to that I don't remember there being like any awareness it was such a shock to a lot of the people on the Gold Coast especially this community and he was just the most vibrant beautiful and seemed to be the happiest kid in the world so it's like we were just absolutely shocked to our core when that happened but there's nothing around then and I think that when we have these beautiful are you okay day things and suicide prevention month it's great for normalizing the fact that you're allowed to have like you know not allowed I suppose it is it's permission slips to speak up that you do have these issues that we all have from time to time but you know you might need that extra help but yeah it's one of those things where I'm like what are we doing to provide that actual support for people and can we like I'm just like I've got written down here I'm like you can't save people but also how do we support them Mm. like how will we do we implement that into society that's a really big point it's I feel like that has been one of the more challenging life lessons I've learned is that unless someone wants help you cannot help them 
Like they have to, you can't just come in and save someone that isn't ready to be saved. It's, we need to get to that point ourselves, Mm. but you can love them. You can support them. You can try and guide them. You can, you know, show them resources. You can try and guide them on the path, but it's also taking that pressure off yourself that if they don't want to, you cannot change them until they are ready to be changed. Mm. And I think that is a really difficult thing for a lot of people to let go of control of because it's like when you love someone and you care about them and they're really going through it you want to come in and you fix it you want to fix it you want to you want to kind of bombard them and just direct them along the path and all of that but if they aren't ready they need to get to that point themselves but you can yeah as I said guide them love them support them create that safe environment for then them to then open to it and kind of begin on that journey Mm. I can definitely relate to that I feel like on opposing sides to you when you were like 17 18 like I was in just like how can I destroy my life at those stages like I was drinking multiple times a week just loved yeah (laughs) yeah but I never had any of the education or like anything like that behind it and I I come from a family where like this is pretty much out in the open now I did a blog post about years ago didn't go down too well but my uncle had committed suicide and it was back in the day it's not my family's fault they were conditioned to be this way but they made up that he had died in a car crash So for me, I got to, he died at 19. I got to 20 years old and found out this truth. And I was so fucking confused because I was like, okay, so I could instantly feel, okay, we're keeping it a secret because they feel shame. So Mm. if I have mental health issues, I too need to like suppress it or, you know, it can't be out in the open. We've kept this, we've lied about how he died for years. Like I'm so fucking confused as to how I can then speak up and say, actually, you know what, I'm feeling what exactly what he's going through. And through a lot of healing and in-depth hypnosis work, there's been a lot that's come up around the fact that like I'm now the symptom of the family Mm. and I was now being asked to break the cycle for the family. And so I was living like his story Mm. and if I had again as you had been in that position chosen to leave early I wouldn't be I I don't know I wouldn't have the opportunity to help people but also like myself it would have been passed down to I feel like another cousin or something like that and so with me it was like what the fuck like it's just so confusing that there was this secrecy around it so you can imagine we've come so far since he was like died five years before I was born we've come from secrecy to being able to have these open platforms of are you okay day which is fucking awesome but I feel like yeah for me like I had to really choose my rock bottom And I had to choose it to help myself. And the hardest thing for me was being in rehab and hearing from fucking pretty much no one. Mm. Like the people didn't know how to really talk to me. But also it was the biggest blessing because there's someone who like loves a bit of validation, can say so myself, and would have loved nurturing and attention. I didn't get that. And so it was like, oh, I can't just relapse and keep coming back to this place in in order to get the attention because I didn't have it in the first place. But also it made me realise I have to do this for myself. At the start, I definitely went in being like, I can do this for my little cousins and all this stuff, but like I had to do it myself. And the biggest thing for me was my auntie begged me to go to rehab. And this is at 26 years old. So I quit my job, quit everything to go to rehab. And then it was meant to be like a day after Easter, And I got to like 
the, the Thursday before like the Good Friday and they gave me a call and they're like, hey, just letting you know, we didn't pick up on this earlier, but your BMI, like your underweight in the BMI section and we actually can't accept you. So rock bottom for me was getting not going to rehab. It was getting rejected from rehab. <laughs> but I was like, ah, oh, this is where we're at. <laughs> okay, sweet. We, I've been rejected from rehab. They don't even want to help me. Fuck. So I was like, okay, fuck now. Like I need to put on three kilos. I couldn't put on any weight at that time. Like I was so wrecked and just so anxious. And I remember I just lit up a doobie as you do. And then I just went and got a tattoo on my arm, my first tattoo. And it was just like, you know, it says grace and it's the Illumi symbol, which is like the um, journey to enlightenment and then a cross as well and I was just like the whole time during getting that tattoo I was just reliving traumas and just meditating through it and was like this is rock bottom like I was like this is rock bottom I'm not fucking doing this anymore like I will do whatever it takes to get the fuck out of this situation because I do not have a job I just quit uni I just quit everything and right now I've been rejected from rehab I can't even go and it took me two months to put on that weight in order to go to rehab to start that then six month journey so it was pretty much all of 2019 that was like rock bottom desperate agreed to go to rehab rejected from rehab finally get to go and then that thinking I'm going for three weeks and having to go for six months and do I look back I look back and I'm like that is the biggest fucking blessing because someone like me was not getting the fucking point like I couldn't get it. Like no mm. love, support, nurturing, nothing like that could help me get the fucking point that I needed to help myself. So I think it's one of those things where I see a lot of people almost supporting their loved ones so much that they become this thing that's in between rock bottom and this person's like help and then they're not actually getting the help. They're kind of just like swaying and dumping their shit on that person each time, which was what I was doing to my auntie for years, like years and years and years. Like I was just going to her, dumping my shit on her, she'd help me out again and then I'd do it again and again and again and then eventually I went to rehab and she couldn't even speak to me while I was there because it just, it'd been years of me just dumping on her and I really look at that and I'm like, how much of us like helping people is actually like not letting them help themselves and do the inner work themselves too so it's like I don't know I have so many obviously perspectives on it but yeah it's one of those things where like enrolling into rehab like seeing people at their rock bottom you can only do this when you choose to do it for yourself a hundred percent yeah you really can and it's that that was so much in that and I'm like yeah um yes wow your story about rehab is is crazy and it's crazy to think that someone is at absolute breaking point to be going to rehab you are at a breaking point and then to be rejected for your body weight is just wow that's 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 a lot that's that's insane but um yeah, I'm to keep them hovering above and to keep them like if they need to hit a rock bottom, but to kind of keep supporting them hovering above and they're not actually able to go into the depths of despair that they may need to to then pivot in the direction they need to. Um, that also can be can be detrimental. It's a really, really challenging topic because it's not one shoe fits all not every case is the same you don't support every person struggling with mental health or going through shit in the same way it's so individual to how you handle it but I think it is about 
creating safety for that person coming from a place of love and also providing them the tools and modalities they need to work through their shit themselves. No one can come and do the work for you. I can't have a client that's extremely depressed and anxious and do the work for them. Mm. It's about me providing the foundation for them to dive into the work themselves. If you don't go through it yourself, it's it's not going to work. It's unfortunately there's no happy fix or quick pill you can take and it's all done. It going through these journeys takes work, it takes effort, it takes energy, but the payoff from doing that is far greater, far mm. greater. And yeah, I'm. Yeah, you, you speak about there. It's like instant gratification versus delayed gratification when it comes to healing. And my God, I've been on all the different scales of that. And it, like, yeah, there was. I was, was first thought I started. I thought I healed myself when I admitted. Funnily enough, my uncle asked me, "Are you okay?" And those were the pivotal pinnacle words that made me be like not avoid and he kept on asking me but he didn't just ask once and go I go yeah fine he'd seen me crying the night before I'd answered yeah I'm fine and then he's like no and cornered me and made me tell him that like there wasn't okay and kind of share my feelings and thoughts and like what had been coming up and I'd never shared that before so those words are you okay it's not to like dismiss that they're fucking brutally amazing and we need to be doing that but make sure you're someone who can also hold space for that like Mm. my uncle could we were living in Bali and could go okay sweet and like put a plan into action and be like okay sweet we'll see let you see a psychologist a therapist um and do you want to fly back to Australia now like he could actually provide the I guess, answers for me and that support that I needed rather than every old mate Joe Blow being like, are you okay? Sweet, good. Yeah, you're sweet, good. Or not being able to hold that space, which I've had a lot in the past. But yeah, it's like I thought that when I was 22 years old, came back to Australia, admitted that I wasn't okay, knew that I had ADHD symptoms, would have ticked all the boxes. And that was back in the day before Instagram was really destroying all of our lives. And we all have those symptoms a lot more now. And yeah, I went to a therapist within 15 minutes. I was given Ritalin and fuck loads of it for $10 for 100 tablets. And it was like just a drug dip like for me when I look back on it and I had no awareness I wasn't given enough awareness by this therapist as to the highs and lows that would come with that and very quickly I went from being you know suicidal ideation and like this escapism that I was a bit obsessed with um, but also was very self-destructive to going through that maybe you know pretty big downfalls maybe every couple of weeks to four times a day like it was insane and the only reason why I got out of that situation and was supported through that was because my brother was a pharmacist and he started watching what I was doing and he was very aware he's like this isn't okay he's like Em do you realize you're actually having like come downs four times a day it's like coming off like a MDMA tablet like like it's like it's so intense what's happening to me at that time no support through it I wasn't given like a psychologist to talk to like nothing it was just like they handed me what I thought was this instant quick pill that I didn't have to do anything else for and I'd be cured and it sent me the opposite direction for sure that is so heartbreaking like at 22 years of age just being prescribed that and then sent out the door on your way with no 
other support or guidance that those types of stories break my heart. And don't get me wrong, there are some people that when they are in a stage of their life, they may need to turn to, you know, pharmaceuticals. And if that serves a place and a purpose for them, so be it. But if you're just doing that with no other tools, no other strategies, you can't, it's not sustainable to just use a Band-Aid remedy for the rest of your life. It's like, yes, that may be serving a purpose, but also what other things are you doing on the side? What other work are you doing to be helping the core issue whilst that is just helping alleviate some of the pain through through the duration? Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Like it was so extreme to the point where like I was taking – it just ended up being one drug after another, right? After that, because it's just like, well, I was in America then and then I was taking the Ritalin and I'd finally, you know, got long lasting one. So it wasn't the highs and lows quickly. It was like a 12 hour long lasting one. But then I had a lot of anxiety. I got hit by a car. So then I'm now eating Ritalin by day and sleeping tablets by night and I've got insomnia. So I'm going fucking insane. And then I'm putting the meth, like which the methamphetamine into my body and I'm just like not being able to sleep whatsoever but I'm also really really anxious so it's heightening those levels that I can't even handle in the first place meanwhile I've had no tools to support me and I think that now I just get really anxious about kids just going to a therapist or a psychiatrist and just being given that quick fix tablet and not being able to do this like beautiful hypnosis in a child work all the other beautiful tools we have that are holistic not being even guided in that direction but instead being given a tablet that's alleviating time pain for a little bit but as we all know every pharmaceutical drug comes with side effects and that's where I'm like oh have you looked at the list of that and is it worth the risk versus reward that you're getting out of this one little tablet tablet and do you even know because I wanted an instant gratification and an instant tool to fix me I was in so much pain I was like constantly just riding around on my scooter in Bali being like hope someone fucking just takes me out like I just had no care in the world and so I was out of control and so I can relate to the pain that people are going through but after doing three years of really really hard work three years plus and choosing in the depths of that rock bottom like I'm not fucking doing this anymore I had to dedicate myself to making it to 30 one month off today and being like okay it's one percent every day am like that's all you need to do is just enough to get like, you know, that 1% better every day or do that 1% for yourself every day that's harder instead of taking the tablets. And so as soon as I found out that it was keeping me from feeling the real feels, I was like, oh, I need to wean myself off all the pharmaceuticals. And definitely doesn't mean that everyone does, not not whatsoever. But I think that when you take like a 16-year-old and they're not doing anything for themselves and they're being taken to a therapist and getting given like pharmaceuticals without doing breath work, without doing meditation, without doing anything that supports themselves that is delayed gratification. We're starting them off so young in the pharmaceutical industry and then they're just signing up to a lifetime prescription. It's honestly heartbreaking. It's like they don't have the awareness to know what that tablet is doing for them, let alone like starting so early and it's as you said it is instant gratification it helps in the moment but if you're not putting in those extra you know extra modalities and that extra work 
you're not going to get that delayed gratification. It's so fundamental to do those things on the side if you are on prescription. It does not, it's not a whole pass to do nothing and just, you know, live your life with that covering the issue and helping through the issue. It's that is your signal to go, okay, this is serving a purpose now for me, mm. but what else can I do and how else can I put the work in to make sure that I don't need to live off this for my whole life and make sure that, you know, I can start looking at the issue underneath this. Mm. And yeah, I think that that's something that I find really powerful is, you know, a lot of clients that come my way, they have gone that route they have seen therapists and psychiatrists for some people come and have gone for 10 20 years and they've been living off medication for a really long time and they've realized they get to a point they've realized holy shit the issue is still happening it's still I'm still flatlining I still feel like shit nothing's changing and then they start to seek these alternative holistic therapies if you want to call them that or alternative modalities because they're like well I've tried that route and it's not served its purpose so now let's start looking at what else I can do to actually do the work don't get me wrong for some people maybe that route totally works and serves them their entire life but um, that's just firsthand what I've experienced and they get to a point where they're like, okay, I actually need to put the work in myself and dedicate myself to this practice. Mm, yeah, it's so powerful. Like I just am having this like flashback to when they told me in rehab, they must have just set it in like a room and they were like, oh, um, it's any anything in your system is keeping you numb. Like it may be only a little bit, but it's keeping you from feeling your real feelings. And where the work is, it, you have to feel in order to heal. Like you can't not do that. And the depths of my like biggest breakthroughs have been the most painful write-offs, me screaming and just like the pain that comes through. And that has been the biggest breakthroughs because I'm finally getting to the core of it and I'm letting it out. And it's like that isn't something that I can do in just talk therapy or like maybe it's something that was keeping me from doing those depths when I was taking the pharmaceuticals. But like I knew I needed to feel every single bit of it. And because I was someone who was extremely numb like when I was in rehab I was like love and joy like the biggest like I had no fucking idea what I was feeling I was just like I'm society has really validated me when I feel love and joy so I'm gonna say love and joy like those are gonna be my emotions that's what they want to hear I'll give them what they want to (laughs) hear exactly and that was what made them be like holy shit this chick has issues like there's no way she's in here for too much love and joy like it's that goes to rehab for too much love or or these any anxiety tablets she's on fucking give us some because they're amazing so I could not feel and I didn't stop crying till like last year like, like properly, not like in a trigger crying, like meh, but like just, you know, being able to cry. And, really and the more, more more I can do that, it's a physical release. Like, and it's me feeling the actual feels and that's all we, what we need to do. And so like that comes with holistic practices. 
it does. Like I don't know really like other any tablet that's in like, okay, cool, you can go and cry. Like let's open the floodgates yeah, and let's exactly. let this trauma out. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's all a numbing way to numb. And like I can fucking relate. Like I've been in so much pain. But what pisses me off the most is like I can't go to a doctor, walk in, set my boundaries straight and be like, hey, I've got this issue, but I really want to express to you straight up, I don't take any pharmaceuticals. Like mm. none. Don't offer me any. I won't take it. Like, so don't waste my 15 minutes of time that I have with you in offering me that shit or mm. trying to convince me because that is my boundary. No fucking doubt within the 15 minutes I'm being offered some type of pharmaceutical. And I honestly, by the end, I'm like, you're fully disrespecting me. Like I understand what a pharmaceutical is. I understand what it does, but I've just told you my boundary and you're not respecting me and it pisses me off. Like, so I think that like we've just you know, we've seen it throughout COVID. Like my brother's a pharmacist. I don't have no respect for what they do. I I have a lot of respect for what pharmaceuticals have given people for sure. But have I seen more holistic benefits through plant medicine and through holistic frameworks of therapy? Fuck yes. And do I think that we need to, I just think that they need to be a starting point for everyone. So when I think about it, I'm like, oh, how fucking hard would it be to be the parent of a 16-year-old who's going through pain and you want to obviously get them support? You take them to the doctors and then immediately they're being given this magic pill that they're being told is going to be the answer. Like, what is your choice then? And one thing I came up with was I was like, oh, could I for three months make them do like all these different things, like maybe six things a day, three things a day, fucking one thing a day of like meditation. And if at the end of that three months, if they have tried their very best to holistically heal themselves and obviously take them to other practices with facilitators, then could we go on the tablets? You know what I mean? Like, mm. but are we even in society being offered any holistic options prior to the magic pill? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's a really challenging thing is I'm with you on that. You go to the doctor and like, I've been on a mental health plan in the past and it's like, you go and you're like, okay, I've had some really severe trauma in my life. This is, you know, ABC. I actually really think that I need to talk to someone and they're like, well, have you tried antidepressants? And I'm like, I actually, I actually really <laughs> want to do the work. I actually really want to work through this. And like, obviously the mental healthcare plan is phenomenal that you can get rebates with psychologists. And I think that that is an amazing service, but it's like psychologists have at the moment a nine month wait list. Mm. You like, good luck trying to find a psychologist you can get into at the moment. It's mm. like, and then it's like, okay, well you can go on the wait list for nine months. And for the meantime, here's a prescription for you to kind of, you know, alleviate the pain a little bit. And I'm like, holy shit, like there's a gap in the system where there needs to be some other ways that we can send people down and some other things that we can do to support people in the interim because Mm. it's just, we can't, yeah, it's just feels like it's not the right route for everyone to go down. And some people can't afford to go pay for all the different you know, holistic services and therapies and that. So I think that's kind of also a big reason why Alouv was born is because I want to make it super accessible to giving people those tools to help them if they can't go down that route. Um, Yeah. Distracted by the dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Bloody dogs. Um, And I would say that the one thing that I'm so grateful for is that my family were against pharmaceuticals as a kid. And so whenever the teachers because I was such a naughty kid in school and I've seen naughty and just like 
I didn't want to sit down in a classroom. I wanted to just play and also couldn't sit there without talking to people because all I wanted to do was connect, but I was a distraction, let's just say that. And the teachers were like always hounding my parents to be like, there's something wrong with her basically. And I'm so grateful that they never took me down that avenue. And mum was too scared to take me to anyone because she thought that they would put me on drugs. And I heard her say years later when another little kid who was a similar personality to me, he was put on the ADHD medication and she was really uptight about it she was quite angry she's like it's taking away his personality and all these things that it actually does do that medication for certain people and I was like oh I get it now you were actually too afraid to take me to a doctor because that's what they do they push you in that direction and they sort of even make you feel like a bad parent if you don't do that because you're you know you're not giving your child the solution and how dare you keep that from them and like it was something that when I was 22 and I was like I found the magic pill I looked at my parents like how could you not have given me this earlier how could you not give me this meth at six years old and like and I was then when it ended up being my biggest detriment I was like oh thank you so much but also can relate to the fact that they're shoving that shit down your throat and so I think it's yeah if there's becoming this really big divide where people are like myself like anti being told what to put in their system and I'm very stand for bodily autonomy like just like the jab I believe in a personal opinion I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all it may be some perfect for some people but it's not for everyone and we can't keep on putting everyone in this little box and being like your body's the same as this person so this will heal you and I think that that's where our holistic approaches need to come first and foremost so that we can play with you know air breathing techniques before we start playing with chemicals in our body and so I think that with you like you've done so many and so much in-depth work and so what daily practices do you apply to keep yourself mentally stable after mentally stable but also thriving after you know your big journey that you've had with mental illness Mm. yeah I I am very for like every person we're all individual. You just need to find whatever works for you in regards to what you were saying. It's like, if it works for you and it feels aligned for you, go for it. If it doesn't, look at another avenue. Like just, we're all different. We're all so unique. We're not one true fits all with anything. So it's, you know, going with what works for you. If, you know, anti-anxiety meds are what you're drawn to, sure thing. If they're not and you want to go holistic, sure thing like I obviously invite everyone to look at other modalities but yeah it's not a one true fits all which is tricky very individualistic so in regards to my daily practices um similar thing these are the practices I have found work personally best for me I've tried a ridiculous range of different practices I'm sure if you list me one I've probably given it a go over the years Um, so these are the daily practices that work best for me and not saying for, you know, all of my clients and everyone I work with, I come up with practices that work for them. What the, what the things I do for a lot of people are like ridiculous and they wouldn't, wouldn't do. So basically I, um, every single day without a doubt, meditation is huge for me. I now incorporate a technique called Vipassana. Before that, I did a range of different things. I um, went over in, in India. I was learning meditation, so I incorporated a lot of techniques I used, learned from over there. Um, so meditation every single day, no matter how busy I am, it is a non-negotiable for me. 
Um, even if I can only squeeze in five minutes or two minutes, I still do it. Ideally, if I can do 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, that's amazing. Um, I also do breath work. That's really powerful for me, even just as simple as it needs to be, like a little bit of pranayama or alternate nostril breathing or, you know, deep belly breaths or whatever, whatever I feel drawn to that day. Um, I also try and ground myself most days. Um, we've moved into an apartment building, so I'm finding that I'm like high off the ground and I'm like, oh shit, I really need to. I just feel like it's easy to go off in your head and be a bit airy fairy. So really important to take my shoes off, go for a swim in the beach, walk in nature, do something like that that kind of brings me back down to earth and grounds me. What else? Um, movement, that is non-negotiable for me. That is obviously something so simple that most of us can do and that is really important for me whether it's my pilates class at my studio or boxing class or you know a yoga flow or walking or just swimming in the ocean whatever I feel drawn to that is a non-negotiable and then there's practices that I use um, not so much every day but I use multiple times a week so that's journaling EFT I do tapping on myself and I also do a lot of inner child work on myself which that probably fits into every day but I do that a lot and then um, I do qigong and I do yoga as like another practice that really helps yeah it, it, it's incredible like listening to that because it's like so many things work for different people but mm. it's like we can all get our shoes off and walk and I think that that's something that like you, how many times have you, you been told like for me I love wearing no shoes and people will be like oh you got no shoes on it's like shamed in society it's like yeah we probably shouldn't have shoes on like it's <laughs> keeping us from literally being grounded and that's something we all need but like for me it's like I get up straight away the most powerful practice recently is just been journaling journaling straight away and doing my morning pages because as you can tell I am a woman of very many words and I just like need to just purge that like some shit out of my system and it's just a dribble really but it's like everything works differently for someone and I when I got got out of rehab I first tried to do it all like I'd have a list of 18 things on the thing per day and luckily we did move into COVID lockdown and I didn't have like that many didn't have to go to work or anything because I would spend easily three hours a day doing just those practices one hour of yin a day is like fuck me that is my jam if I could start the day off with that I would be you know peaking but obviously that's a lot of time right but it's like I sort of know what really helped me throughout that and what didn't and it's also how I kind of have figured out like that we can all be doing something and all be trying at least one of these and like maybe qigong won't be your favorite thing but yoga will and that's still like those similar types of practices but it's like just give it a fucking crack and I think that like a you're like this platform that you've started and like having all of your experiences there and being able to other people you're leading the way let's say and then other people are able to just like come on and have a choice between all of the beautiful ones that can give you that like give you that stability whether it's like journaling gives you something different from meditation but it's all much and muchness like you're all in the same boat with that and so like what for you where do you like if when people come to your platform what would you 
suggest to them as to how to start because for me I get overwhelmed with all the choices so it's like it's just feeling drawn and like if it is feeling drawn like how do people feel that in their bodies Mm, I think yeah the key practice is literally to bring yourself out of your head and back into your body it's if we can reconnect with the body then we can solve anything so basically when people come to me if I always investigate what have they tried have they tried any of the above obviously you really need to try things to know if you like them or not and if you feel drawn to them or not so basically I give like an array of different things and I might take them through some things or get them to try it out and see what clicks and often like your subconscious knows what it feels drawn to doing you your intuition knows what it is craving like there's periods where I won't do qigong for a year and then it's like okay I'm really feeling drawn to that it's very unusual but I'm feeling drawn to it or there's periods where journaling no not feeling it I'm more into breath work these months I think it's going with your intuition but for people that don't know what those modalities and come super fresh and they're like where do I start it's teaching them them educating them and then they get to then use their intuition and use the choice to what they feel most drawn to So I think it's almost providing them with, like I say, like a toolkit and they've got all the tools. They can then, you know, build what they want to with those tools and use which tool they enjoy using most. Mm. And you know what I love is like all of those things I'm thinking in my head, all of it's free. It's literally (laughs) free. Like there's no excuses when it comes to that. You're paying more to see a doctor because they're offering you the pharmaceutical anyway. It's like just try these things. All it takes is energy and time. You know, we all have huge access to YouTube. Like let's be honest, unless you're literally on the side of the road and even then you have access to breathing. So it's like we should be using these modalities. I use YouTube and I follow a guided thing and I also do like Wim Hof if I need to all on YouTube it's free of charge like we can do that and so it's just like it's at our fingertips it's just about making the commitment and I feel like that is probably the biggest thing but as someone who's so committed like you've been to India you've been doing self-practice since you were like 17 years old you do inner child work on the daily basis you dive deep what has been the biggest thing that you've dive deep on and your experiences that you've had around self-help like what's the most recent one for example Okay, the most recent is different probably to the biggest, Um, but the most recent one was probably the Vipassana course I did in um, February slash March. It is 10 days of pure silence for those who don't know what Vipassana is. It's no phones, no eye contact. Um, You pretty much are learning a meditation technique from 4am till 10pm every day. And you are, yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere. You've got no contact to the outside world. You can't even make eye contact with people there. And obviously you can't speak. So you are in total silence. You are confronted with everything and you have zero distractions. So I feel like that's obviously extreme. Like that is not for many people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like that's probably the most recent self-help thing that I've done. And that was a really profound experience. It was something that was 
scary because you don't realize how many distractions we have on a daily basis how much we can just you know if something's surfacing we just go to our partner or go to a friend or you know we call someone or we just go on our phone or we can research or we can read and it was like oh shit like I the only tool I have right now is my ability to connect with myself and help myself through this Mm. there's no seeking anyone else there's no talking about this it is literally just facing it head on through connection with myself and I think that is probably the most recent and most profound self-help experience but the most powerful one I have found for myself individually don't get me wrong the passion is powerful you are coming so in touch with your body with no distractions and that is amazing but I find inner child work and my discovery to really learning that and understanding the depths of that that was my most powerful self-help tool yeah amazing yeah I want to touch on the Vipassana 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 yeah okay I really want to do this but as anyone who knows me would know this would be the fucking hardest thing ever so I literally think that we had no distractions in rehab because like there's no phones there's no nothing you're basically in like you're an inmate in something that you've chosen it's like a little gel cell that's you know quite beautiful in a way like ours was like near the beach and whatnot but we had you know pens and paper we had each other we had those things but we were still taken away from so many distractions you don't even have eye contact that is (laughs) fucking wild like not even to be like I can look at someone else and my yoga teacher is going to one next week and she's like it's gonna be really hard for me because I you know I seek validation from other people I'm like that part is gonna be hard (laughs) like (laughs) that part fuck I wouldn't have even thought about that there's so much to it but it's crazy because in the you know despair no one gets to suicide without despair it's just not true like it doesn't happen loneliness is there and it's the extreme version of loneliness which is despair and I feel like you know you're going to a place where you can't talk you literally cannot connect that is the rules and so you're actually the polarizing point is you're going to deal with your fucking um all your depression, all your desperation, everything that's there through being pushed into despair. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty much it. You are so disconnected from everything that you are forced to connect with yourself. Yeah. And it is through despair that you get to that pivotal moment. And you know that, like I remember day three, it's like it was freaking hard. Like it was – it was challenging and similar to you, I'm like so chatty, I'm so extroverted, I love being around people, I like, you know, I love, I love my life, like there was no, there was no, there was no thing that I needed to escape from here. Yeah, and you weren't desperate, you weren't being <laughs> like, I'm so desperate for a healing, I'm rolling into 10 days of no talking, like you were just like, you chose to do this yeah. and when you're, when you're feeling pretty great about life. Yeah. And it's interesting because I had been accepted into Vipassana courses twice before. And um, one of the times I'd ended up going to India instead and I'd felt more drawn to that. And I just knew the timing wasn't right. Like you really have to pick your timing for putting yourself through something like this. Because you didn't integrate when you come out. It's not just 10 days or go back to work and start chatting to people. It's like you have to integrate. You have to integrate. And in those 10 days, like end of February, start of March was when everything kind of flipped up upside down outside here. And I came out and 
everything had been flooded. Like, you know, we'd been <gasps> flooded. Ukraine had gone to war. Like that, yeah. all that had happened in oh those 10 days. <laughs> 10 days. And I remember thinking like I went in so peaceful and – I called my partner on as soon as I left um, I left the, the camp or whatever you call it, the place. And I called him and I was out. like, yeah, <laughs> the despair spot. Um, and I called him and I was like, how are you? You know, what's been happening in the world? What have I missed? And he's like, ooh, like didn't even <laughs> know. Do I start? <laughs> Me. And I actually joked about it on the final day you get to talk. They like, they introduce you back to talking and you're like, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> testing, testing. Like, does this thing still work? <laughs> yeah. And um, we were all chatting about and everyone's like, you know, you're so calm. You're so relaxed. You're so meditated. It's like, what do you think's been happening in the world? Like, do you think we've missed anything? Like, and your mind goes through crazy. Like, has anyone died? Like, has anyone severely sick? Like, has anyone been in an accident? Or like, mm. has anything really amazing happened? Like, it goes through everything. Who's engaged? Who's like, and it's only 10 days. And yeah. we're like joking about it. Like, has anything happened? And I just like jokingly said like, oh, you know, we've probably had like a natural disaster and maybe like there's a war or something. <laughs> I don't know if that was intuition or that was just like a guess. Well, it's the most and extreme thing. Yeah. You're like, we're going to choose out the most extreme things and just laugh about it. But, oh, my God, in that actual 10 days, it did happen. It happened. And I remember Carl being like, um, my partner being like, yeah, so this, this. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's a lot. So integrating back is challenging because you've gone from similar thing to – Honestly, similar to hotel quarantine, it was like you've gone from stripped away from everything. Mm. Hotel quarantine was a shit experience, whereas this was something I chose. But you've gone from being stripped away from absolutely everything and then you're Mm. integrating straight back into society. You're talking, you're communicating, you're going back to work, you're seeing clients, you're doing all these things. And it's like, holy, like this is actually Mm. a lot to integrate my learnings now into my life. And I think sometimes that's the hardest thing is – learning the modalities and doing the work but it's through the integration into your everyday life that is the hardest Mm -hmm. you would have found that with rehab and when people go on retreats and do all these therapies and it's like in an ideal world if you could not work and you could spend you know three hours of the day or five hours of the day doing the 18 checklist of items right (laughs) yeah it's like you feel amazing yeah but it's like that's not where the learning happens it's as well yeah yeah. because you're not being like you're not taking on everyday issues and being like how do I sit in this and handle it and it's like funnily enough like what I'm thinking of now is like yeah Gwingana I used to work at Gwingana which is a beautiful retreat I can't afford to go there it's very expensive and people would be we literally so high up so people would be like in hitting that high thinking they're doing that they are doing the work because they're being separated a bit from society but like it's not the work until you land back down into real life and you're actually like you know responding not reacting like all of mm. that shit and then also it's like within the world we live in today like I have been someone who in 2016 my whole year was creating the news I was a journalist broadcast journalist like I followed the news around I've been to a Trump impeachment rally. I've been to an Obama speech. I've done all these random fucking things. I should be obsessed with it. I will not fucking turn on the news. Like it is the lowest vibration and that's a full-blown avoidance because I want to protect myself from that shit. So that's how I deal, which isn't probably very healthy. But like we now see people going towards the drama. They go towards the drama in their life and then they're wondering why they're like, oh, I feel like shit. I'm like, 
bro, put the news down. You're not getting anything out of knowing about that thing that happened in another neighborhood that has nothing to do with you. Yes, I think that we need to be aware about what's happening around us, but like how much is it to our own detriment? Because I know, and and, and also finding that balance. Like I can tell that I went into quite escapism where like in ways I almost created my own course of, Vipassana. I can't even say. Oh, I can't say. Vipassana. Vipassana. And I like. I would go into my room for hours in a day and meditate and do all the work on myself. And it was like, oh, so cathartic. I'm like, this is the best. No distractions. No one bringing this high vibe down. But also, like, then there's the polarizing opposite where I was working in the news and I'm like, yeah, just going to a shooting in the middle of the hood in Miami, Florida. Like that couldn't have been good for my system. So it's like about finding, I guess, that happy like kind of find a medium where like you know we have to deal with reality we have to understand that there's natural disasters we have to we also have to know about ukraine and be somewhat aware of things that are happening in the world but like how much of people are running towards it to like find out their daily news and i see my mum do this a bit so i think it's a generational thing but it's like oh we're living in this world where we've got some people who are obsessed and hooked on the news and just like having the lowest vibration and then some people who are now like you know going to extremes to get out of society because it's just like so triggering for them but the real work happens in that in between in the integration of when we go away meditate and then we come back in and we're triggered and we're like for fuck's sake like that is the work it's it's 100% the work and it's like the biggest triggers are not happening when you're in isolation meditating (laughs) there when you're faced with a relationship issue or shit's hitting the fan in your business or something's happening in your family or you've lost someone or that's when the lessons are coming but it's the tools that you learn up until that point that provide you the resilience and the ability to get through them boom (laughs) I love that and it's but it is it's like it is so true and you're like someone they're providing those tools for people so it's like when people then go and go back into real life and come to you it's like you you, it's kind of like as a facilitator I feel like you'd just be dealing with their little roller coasters and it's like you know you then just hold your space for them to reintegrate the tools that they've learned and like help them up level with those tools but I think that one thing I have been experiencing recently and I wonder your perspective on it with clients is and I saw this a lot in rehab so I was very aware of it I'd see people leave because I wouldn't and then they'd come back and they were like oh like you do a check-in every day and like oh you know things are really good they're they're really good like my girlfriend's really good and my job's really good and things are really good and it would be said with this like fear it's like doubt yeah Yeah, like fine "Ah, I'm fine and I'm about to get hit by a bus like something gotta happen and I was like oh this is interesting and the therapist would give them like a bit of feedback and it's like what was coming up a lot is like we can't even believe our reality when it gets good because we've experienced well I say we as in humans and like people who've dealt with like maybe rock bottoms but we've dealt with things that are so hectic and dealt with such lows that you almost can't believe when you've done the work and you earn this next level that you're deserving of and this new reality and I find that that's where like a lot of this is, yeah, it's the doubt. It's such self-doubt that comes in because you're like, this can't, this can't last long. Mm. I'm just wondering like if that's, do you get that with clients? Definitely. I think if your conditioning has been, you know, for shit to hit the fan constantly, things to go wrong, trauma to happen, 
loss, grief, all of the rest of it. And then all of a sudden you do all this work and things are amazing. It's actually scary because it's not familiar for you. It's Mm. unfamiliar. It's new. And it's like, uh, like what's going to happen? Like your brain is programmed to familiar. Oh my God. I can't say that word. Familiar. (laughs) I can't say (laughs) the passionate either. So it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's programmed to be safe and comfortable with what's familiar. So when things start changing whether that be for bad or for good when things start getting amazing everything's thriving it's like oh shit like what's gonna happen is there's a lot of fear will I lose something is are things gonna flip upside down again it it can be really scary I remember like you know with my partner even in the beginning because I'd gone through a lot of turmoil in the past with partners and up and down and I'd done so much healing and work around men and safety and all of that and he came along and it was like it was so good he's so loving he's so safe he's so beautiful inside and out and that was exactly what I'd manifested it's exactly what I'd worked towards attracting into my life and feeling deserving of but there was still a part of me that was holding on to fear because I was like holy shit this is so good what might happen if Mm. something goes wrong what might happen if I lose him or something happens to him it's like it's almost this block to feeling into that deservingness and safety and comfort with what you actually truly are deserving which is the good things and it comes with so much fear as to like is it too good is this too good that something Mm. bad might happen so there is definitely a point in that and um I think that it's also clearing that so that you can lean into what you truly deserve yeah I can no that's perfect I can literally relate so much this year is been the same thing like since meeting Jonty I'm like oh this is like perfect but it's crazy because my hypervigilance comes up and I'm like is this like an intuitive feeling that's like no like pull back like or is it a trigger like because it all feels the same when you feel like when it's unfamiliar territory and it can feel like a trigger basically but it's really exactly everything you've asked for and it's just this too good to be true moment and you're almost like protecting and preparing yourself for the worst because you know you don't want to be caught off guard and like you know so it's just like I I feel like I keep my back up and all these things that I don't want and I'm trying to work through that at the moment where I'm like no this is my reality and it's almost like I have to like tap myself and like come back into my body and I'm like no this is reality this is reality we've worked hard to get here like it's okay like you're safe and yeah it is it's crazy especially when you're with someone who is so safe and I think that that's such an important word to anyone who's been dealing with like who's dealt with trauma which we all have in many different ways but for me it's like feeling safe is fucking everything and I said this in the last episode like it is so important and when you have someone who can hold that space for you that's just like next fucking level and it's so next level when I think about like when I was in rehab to have a partner who feels so safe and who's so open with all of these things you can hold the space for me when I'm going through like on the weekend I was like like I was like going between like this is the best thing ever to like what the fuck my life must be over any second now it's too good like it's just such a painful thing to be around but I could just watch and be like this is my trauma coming up because it's like almost not letting me have this reality because it wants to like protect me and it's all about protection, right? We do everything we can to protect ourselves from feel, being like blindsided. And yeah, I think that that's like so 
important that you then have a facilitator and someone who can hold that space for you and be like, no, it's okay. This is yeah, your current reality. And it's sort of like you're going th- through the journey with them and you're like, oh, no, like, you know, I saw you two weeks ago. You, you earned this. You worked on this part of yourself and that's why this is coming through. And it's like that outside source that can reflect back to you where you're at. And I think that's why it's like if you can afford it and you have the means to it to find someone, a mentor, on any level that can support you. And if not, honestly, I would say find somebody who's an accountability buddy who can, who is in the same realm as you, wants to do self-help and like you can hold each other accountable and do a check-in once a week. But I think that is like so, so important because sometimes we can't validate ourselves because we're just like, oh, like, you know, we're just confused. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get to the point where you become so in touch with like your inner child, you're, you know that it's that seeking the validation and you can reprogram all that and do all that. But in the in the meantime, yeah, finding someone that's able to mentor you or someone that is able to keep you accountable and you practice these things with and kind of keep on track with, I feel like that is a really, really helpful way to begin and start out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's really valid what you said. Like there is a point where you can definitely get to the point where you can validate yourself, but it would, you know, sometimes it takes a lot of work and along that journey, it's like getting the help to get there. And that's like, oh, so important. I feel like with my like most potent in child work, it came through through either hypnosis or sitting in it. And I really go back to, I have a lot of vivid memories of accidents that I've been in and I have to like just started basically just holding myself in that and I'm like, it's okay, you're going to be okay going to be okay not like bypassing it or invalidating it but really holding myself and being like it's okay you're going to survive and you you're okay it's all good and every time I've been thrusted back into those memories ever since each time it's the amplified feelings of fear and pain and panic and like I'm not going to survive and that really intense survival mode is being lessening and that for me has been one of the most powerful things that I think I've like probably picked up along the way but I can do myself and like have been able to apply myself and so I'm just interested in like if anyone can start with their own inner child practice what is something you do that you most come back to with the inner child practice yeah. I think the easiest way to start out especially because it can be so foreign and to actually grasp the concept wholly of inner child is quite complex as simple as it can seem it can be quite complex. So I think the easiest way to start out is even all it is, is your inner child is a part of your subconscious mind. It's the part that is holding on to the memories, the hurt, all of that. And so basically, if you can start to give that inner part of you love so even if you say for instance with yourself you're visual so with being visual if you can get a photo of your younger self or look at that little you know whatever age she's at six year old and look at her and meet her with what she's needing if she's needing validation how can you validate her look at her she's she's good enough just as she is she's perfect whole and complete just as she is how can you show her love and understanding and compassion and validation that she is needing in that moment Mm -hmm. or just kind of reprogramming that instead of you know beating yourself up and berating yourself doing the opposite and giving that to that inner part of you that's needing it that is a really easy way to start also once you start doing the work like 
through a practitioner, whoever you choose to go with through the hypnosis and the inner child work, having that introduction into it, I think is really foundational. Like I didn't start um, with just randomly going into it. It was like I'd had an introduction to Mm. understanding the concept and then easing in that way. But it's definitely something through a Louvre that I'm going to build out is, you know, that introduction to that inner child and teaching people how to actually go in and access that and help that part of you because once you can heal that everything else heals yeah it's so 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 powerful and like it just comes from like committing to yourself and committing to not only yourself but to that little girl and I think that it's so much easier when we look at a little girl or our best friend, like we would commit to them, right? Like we'd be like, you do, I do anything for you. And so like when you then commit to your literal self, like you would do anything for them, hopefully. But yeah, like I think that it's so much easier then rather than looking at yourself in the mirror, especially when you aren't feeling great about your current self, like, you know, doing it for her. And I think that that's just so important. And then speaking of like committing to yourself first, like can you explain as we finish up, like the power of prioritizing your mental health and the areas of your life that that just gives back tenfold? Yeah, so it is like, it is so fundamental to prioritize it because you can't show up in your relationships. You can't show up at work. You can't progress towards your goals. You can't thrive and have total health and happiness if you aren't putting in the work for your mental health. It is the foundational, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a huge component to what deserves time, energy and attention so that you can thrive in all avenues. I think committing to it, I realized there was time and time again, I learned learned on my journey, you know, I'd go through, I started this work even at 13 years of age. It was, it's been a long time that I've dedicated to self-help and these practices and I've fallen off the bandwagon time and time again and gone back down another route and come back. And it's only been in recent years that I realized that without prioritizing that I have nothing if I Mm -hmm. leave it to the wayside and I ignore it something's going to happen shit's going to hit the fan some life challenge is going to present itself and I'm not going to have the resilience I'm not going to have the tools to get through it because I haven't put the work in prior so I think that if you can dedicate and commit to yourself now but your younger self and also that future self and who you're wanting to become and have commitment across the board to know that setting aside even if it's literally five minutes and every single one of you has five minutes of your day to spare Mm -hmm. you look at people that you know billionaires that are running multiple companies that are so busy and they've got kids and they've got wives and they're doing all these things they still somehow, if something's a priority to them, they will find the time to make it happen. And mental health is a priority and needs to be a priority for each and every one of you because it's something that without it, we have nothing. Mm. Oh my God. So, so true. Like we all have it. And it's like leading by example, if you are that parent, if you are someone like you are a business owner, like find the time because then everyone else is going to find the time and they're going to be able to show up so much better in every aspect of their life. I'm like, there's the good human factory, which is um, one of the Instagram thing. And I was a part of their group for a little bit. Um, I think it's still going. And it's like 1% a day is 1% of your day is 14 minutes. And so to put aside 10 minutes to meditate and 
the rest of the four minutes to write out three things you're grateful for, just that alone, it just makes such an impact for your day. Like gratitude is so important. And just and it, that was really powerful to hear. It's like 1% of your day is 14 minutes and surely you can commit 1% to yourself every day. And for me, it's like, it's been a big journey. It's been three plus years. Yours has been even fucking greater of like really committing to yourself every single day. And I think that it pays off and it's not instant gratification. Like I'm not waking up tomorrow and being like, holy fucking shit, I'm the best thing ever. But like I after years and years of doing that, yeah, it's I look back and I'm like, I don't even know who that person was. Like I'm feel like I have so many tools that I can rely on now. And that is just power. Mm. You know, knowledge is power and having the tools to lean on when like I'm really emotional and I'm struggling or the world's going into war and you're coming out of a 10-day silent retreat. Like it is powerful knowing that you have that resilience and this little toolbox that you can lean on to get through at what you believe is like absolutely anything but also when the triggers come up learning how to deal with that and like sitting with your inner child that's like a whole nother level of like self-healing and until that level we need self-help and I think that every single person could get so much out of this platform because as someone who's done so much work myself and seeing you like this is exactly what I also needed this is exactly what my 15 year old self needed and exactly what I would love to see like you know being a little toolbox for kids who are in school starting them that young and I think it's so important and I think that we cannot put enough emphasis on how important it is to prioritize your mental health so thank you so much for sharing all your beautiful wisdom with me today I'm so 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 grateful and like yeah just meeting you over that beautiful deck of spiritual cards at that beautiful cafe I'm very grateful for this and yeah I've learned so much from you and I think that everyone needs to get around this platform because it's doing amazing things and it comes from such a great amazing place of someone who has had a lived experience and you can't beat that shit thanks so much emma i'm so grateful for the little encounter over the cards and um yeah thank you so much it's been so beautiful chatting with you today and yeah if there's one thing one piece of advice is just dedicate and prioritize that time for your mental health and to if you can even spend a minute even if it's in the shower and you can do a little meditation in there or some moment of being present it will make a huge impact on your life in the long term yes I love that and yeah just saying thank you as you walk even like it's just like saying thank you to your body it's just those little tiny things that we can implement every day that I you know I definitely forget on a day-to-day basis but come to this platform come to a Louvre and figure out what you can put in that toolbox of yours because your mental health is everything so thank you sis thank you I appreciate it so much thanks guys If you made it this far, congratulations. You clearly learnt something, had a little giggle or somewhat enjoyed yourself. So do us a big juicy favour. Share this episode on your Instagram. Tag Sheila's and Shenanigans. Then pop on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and an extra delightful review. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, big love to all my party people.